Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast, for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Hey, friend. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Back for episode two. What's going on with you? Um, not a whole lot. We got out for a little bit today on the hunt for some liverwurst. We went to a market and found some fresh liverwurst. It's actually delicious. Oh, you had some too? We did. Yeah. We stopped for a little bit of a snack. We couldn't resist. (laughs) At like a farmer's market? Yeah. It was this big indoor market. We found raw milk, raw cheese, liverwurst, all kinds of stuff. So we just kind of parked outside and dug in. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. My son loves liverwurst, but I, I'm still a little weird on the taste of liver. Yeah. <laughs> like I, try, I try all the time to incorporate it more and, uh, it's, it's easier for me to just take it as a supplement. Yeah. It's a little intense. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so we came up with an icebreaker question. Just, we want to have our podcast listeners get to know us a little bit better as we're starting out. Um, If you had one extra hour of free time added to your day, what would you do with it? Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) If it were kid free, free time. Kid free, free to do whatever (laughs) you want. (laughs) I would take more time for myself. Um, As much as I try to be on top of the self-care game, I'm not very good at it. So I would use that to stretch my body for sure. Yeah. Just journal for a while. I like it. I find that to be very therapeutic and I just don't (laughs) do it enough. So (laughs) that's how I would use it. What about you? Mine actually was yoga. So really similar to yours. Um, I I was so good about doing yoga every week with uh, my pregnancy and something about having a kid it has dropped off but um I've just been in periods where because it can be really meditative like I I really like yin yoga Mm. um but just yeah something about having that time every day uh would be amazing even like 15 minutes I feel like that would be amazing (laughs) could incorporate it I'd take 15 (laughs) yeah yeah so All right. So today we are talking about how to support your body for fertility. So we've both been through this at least once. (laughs) Um, Working on twice for me. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about a second, second kid for both of us. Um, So just what can we do to support our bodies while we're trying to enter that phase? Like yeah, getting getting your body ready to have a baby. Yeah, it's a really delicate and important time, especially if it is your second kid. I know 
Um, if you're nursing and things, you can get really depleted really quickly. And um, whether you've had a baby or not, just building up those nutrient stores and everything like that is just, it's, it's important. It's really important. And it's not, at least for me, um, my first time around, it's not something I gave a ton of thought to. I wasn't quite in this world yet. So um, yeah, round two, it's going to be a little Yeah. <laughs> well, this is with my pregnancy, I did give a lot into this. Um, and I actually have a funny story. I'll, I'll make it quick, but, um, we went to Bali, we were working remotely from Bali. Um, and this was like a few months before we wanted to start trying to get pregnant. And I brought all of these supplements and like, cause I wasn't sure what the quality of food would be. So I was bringing like, uh, cod liver oil and, uh, powders and butter oil and just like all this stuff. And of course it's in like unlabeled bags and like loose powders and like, (laughs) (laughs) and the guy, the guy at TSA, like my husband called it, he's like, yeah, they're not going to like this. And they didn't. So they totally profiled me, went through all my luggage. Um, (laughs) and like, why are you here? Why are you reading this book? Why are you like saying, like trying to see if I'm, uh, smuggling drugs, but putting some clothes in there to hide, (laughs) to hide that fact. And I'm like, no, I'm trying to have a baby. I need, I need these vitamins. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of did a full six month plan to, and I I did get to get, take all my supplements in the the country. They just tested one of every pill to make sure there was nothing in there. And, um, so it was kind of funny, but yeah, I I did like a six month pre-pregnancy plan to just build up some of that. Cause, um, like you said, it does take a while to build up some of these nutrients in your system. Like just, just starting a prenatal after you get pregnant, um, you don't have these extras to give to the baby right away. Um, so there's some vitamins like the water soluble vitamins can build up a lot quicker in your system than some of the fat soluble vitamins. So, um, if you haven't been eating the best, it is really good to take time before getting pregnant, thinking about putting some of those things in your body. So, yeah, because regardless, baby's going to take what he or she wants from you and <laughs> that's going to leave you super depleted and on the struggle bus. Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, I think um, foods is a big place to start. So what I was trying to follow was the Weston A. Price diet for pregnancy and fertility. Um, and they, so if you search that online, they have a good, like, here's exactly what they recommend eating. And it covers, it's aimed to just cover a wide variety of nutrients. And there is a lot of support from evolution that during this time, women were given these extra like the the organ meats and the the fresh milk and all these things to support their bodies going into this time. Um, so it's it's a long tradition to, to yeah, put this into our bodies. It's really fascinating when you start to dig into that, the way yeah. things were done across the globe and the way we do things now. It's drastically different. Yeah. Drastically different. But yes, um, food. 
Very important. I know, even though I said, you know, I wasn't necessarily following this, like the Weston A. Price diet, like you said, I was paying attention to the quality of my food. It was really important for me, especially with meats, (laughs) to um, get things as pasture-raised, grass-fed as I could. And if I couldn't do that, at least organic. Okay. Yeah. Just, you know, wanted to avoid the synthetic hormones and antibiotics and all those things as much as I could. Yeah. And that's not an easy thing to do. There's a lot of stuff that just doesn't have to be put on our food labels. Talking to your farmers is the best ideal, knowing where your food comes from. But Mm -hmm. um, we're both in more urban areas and that's not always possible. Yeah, as much as we can. Definitely. Um, Yeah, so I think um, something that's maybe contradicting what we tend to be told is red meat has a lot of the nutrients that we need to support a baby, vitamins A, vitamin E, um, and then some of the omegas and, uh, and organ meats have a high amount of iron and other things that you need to support baby. Um, so yeah, that's something to look to maybe add during pregnancy or pre pre pregnancy. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. It's like everything we're told to avoid growing up has all of these nutrients that help you not even for fertility, but things like balancing your hormones, which can be important for fertility, obviously. Um, yeah, like you said, the organ meats, the red meats, eggs, you know, we're, we're told to fear saturated fat and our bodies need that. Our bodies thrive on that. Um, yeah. And that's, that's one thing. The fats in particular are very important in hormone production. So if you want that proper cascade of hormones to get pregnant, stay pregnant, and then go through a healthy labor fats are just really important to, to get those signals right. Um, and, and you need a lot of them more than you'd think just healthy. Um, so this is not vegetable oils, it's not fried foods, but it's saturated fats or olive oil or fish, um, natural fats from foods, from plants and animals. Yeah, definitely. Both are very important. Yeah. So Um, other, other traditional foods, uh, bone broth is something, um, that can be really nutrient dense. It's hard to measure exactly what you're getting from that, but there's definitely a protein in it. Um, and it tends to support the gut. And then there's also going to be calcium that gets in there from the bones, um, and magnesium. And then adding some veggies in your broth is is going to give you that those nutrients as well. Um, so I I make mine for about thirty six hours when I make it to make sure you're getting everything out of the bones you can. And then after you're done with that, the bones will be very brittle. Like you can tell that you got all the nutrients out of the bones and that you're consuming them. Uh, it's very important to use pasture raised bones for that as, as well, because you're not, you don't want to get those chemicals from the hormones or the antibiotics directly out of the bones and be consuming that. Yeah, definitely. 
I guess since we were talking about liver already, like with the organ meats, how do you, if you do like consume your organ meats? I am a huge liver fan. I always okay. have been. <laughs> okay. We are pretty good about just frying it up in some butter in the pan and just eating it that way. But it's not like we do that all the time and we don't have access consistently to quality liver. So, you know, for good reason, that's not something I skimp on, but I also am a huge fan of Paleo Valley. They have, um, it's a supplement, but it's desiccated organ meats. They have there's heart, liver, you know, all kinds of stuff. So you're getting a bunch of nutrients from a bunch of different organs and on days or weeks where we don't have the liver, I'll take those instead. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I mentioned that I will put it into a meatloaf to make a, like a super meatloaf where it has all these extra vitamins from the liver and I do not like the taste and my husband's fine with it. And it's, and my son obviously is fine with it, but it drives me crazy. Cause I'm like, I, I should be the one getting the credit and loving this because <laughs> I made it and um, I just don't like it. So um, and we do have, I do know my farmer that I get my meat from. We've visited the farm and I trust them. Uh, liver is another one of those things that you, you only want to consume from a very reputable source. You have to know that it's pasture raised and not given these hormones because hormones and toxins will build up in the liver. So if you're consuming the liver of an unhealthy animal, you're getting concentrated amounts of whatever was pumped into them. So, um, but we do, we have a, a good source from our farm. And um, what I did with my first pregnancy was I cut it up and froze it. And then I would kind of cut these little frozen blocks into pill-sized pieces every morning and swallow them like pills uh, when they were still frozen. And so that was fresh liver right now. I'm just doing the pills from paleo Valley. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a little bit easier. Yeah. And I don't know, this might be a good time to talk about vitamin A because it's a common misconception that women who are, well, I guess just people in general, it's a big hot topic in pregnancy, but even for fertility, um, there's all these, I guess, <laughs> I don't want to say rules, but you hear about not having too much vitamin A because it can be toxic. And there are actually two forms of vitamin A. There's the retinol and beta carotene, both which come from food. And it's actually really important to get both. The retinol is preformed. So your body, it's more bioavailable. Basically, your body can just digest and absorb that. And that's found in mostly animal products like eggs, meat, liver, butter. and Beta carotene needs that extra conversion in your body. Um, it, it needs to be converted to retinol, basically, to for it to be absorbed. And it's a lot harder for your body to do that because more often than not, things have to be functioning optimally and in these perfect conditions. And that's just unfortunately not always the case with um, the way we are. <laughs> yeah. And it's just an interesting thing about being vegetarian. Like for some people, it works very well because they're able to, because it's not just beta carotene. It's like getting omega-3 from flaxseed versus from fish, uh, where it takes this extra conversion step. 
And some bodies are very efficient at that and some aren't. So it's one of those things where you just want to listen to your body. Like, am I, am I feeling good? Um, versus, oh, my friend eats like this and it should work for me too. Definitely. And that can be hard when you're doing it for, you know, (laughs) I don't know, ethical reasons, but yeah, yeah, definitely tuning in. Yeah. So eggs uh, are another superfood mentioned in so the Weston A Price uh, fertility and pregnancy diet they say two eggs a day plus additional yolks um, and that's going to mostly be for the choline because choline is something that's difficult to get from other sources um, they recommend getting 450 milligrams a day and that's about four egg yolks um, but there's really research coming out saying you meet, might need quite a bit more than that. Um, so I, I guess that's why they're recommending so many egg yolks on the, the Weston A. Price diet. Um, so that's something I, I'm comfortable eating egg yolks raw if I know the source. If I know that these chickens were raised on a pasture and they're not diseased and pumped with antibiotics um, because healthy chickens don't have salmonella. (laughs) Um, I I think it's one of those things people throw around like, Oh, you can't have raw eggs because, because they have salmonella. Um, But also there's ways to kind of pasteurize eggs without cooking them like in a, um, in an instant pot or at at a, at a low temperature, Mm -hmm. you can, cook them to a point where it'll kill the bacteria, but not actually cook the egg. If you're more comfortable with that. Um, I will not do the whites raw, uh, because there is more bacteria on that, but I do put the yolks in smoothies just to get additional yolks in the, and most of the nutrients are in the yolks. There's a lot of protein in the whites, but the choline, the vitamin A, um, the, the fat, the fat uh, soluble vitamins are in the yolks. So that's where I focus when I can't, (laughs) where I can't eat eggs for three meals a day. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Yeah. And then fruits and vegetables, obviously that, that probably goes without saying, but again, with sourcing, I know it's not always within everyone's budget to buy everything organic, but trying to avoid pesticides as much as possible will be incredibly important for your fertility journey. Um, You know, those just, again, build up in your body and can cause reproductive harm and all kinds of other things. But there is the EWG every year puts out a dirty dozen and clean 15 list, which we use when the budget's a little tight. And (laughs) the dirty dozen list is um, 12 different fruits and vegetables that you want to buy organic. Um, They're the ones that are the most heavily sprayed. They've been tested and have had the highest concentration of pesticides. I know strawberries are always number one or number two on the list. So if there's one thing you buy organic, please make it strawberries. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think right now it's a lot, it's most of the berries, but then like apples, pears, peaches, um, things like, like a lot of the fruits. Um, 
And and something to note is like a pineapple it, that's sprayed with pesticides, you're not eating that outside rind of the pineapple. And it's, you know, I, ideally everything's organic, but we don't do 100% organic in our house. Um, so things like that, if you're eating the skin of the apple, I'm going to be more concerned with that than if it's something that you peel, like an orange or uh, a pineapple or a melon. So yeah, that's a great rule of thumb too. Definitely. And the same with potatoes. I, I think uh, if they're not organic, we will peel them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and then I think with the vegetables and fruits, one great thing to think about is getting a variety of colors, um, which is just a really helpful thing, like tool we have to know that we're getting a variety of nutrients that these um, photochemicals have different colors to get a variety of antioxidants. So uh, I think they talk about four categories, like the the purples and the blues, the whites, the white would be like the apple, like that kind of stuff, yellows, oranges, and reds. Like if you think about those four categories, maybe trying to get two from each of those every day um, so that even if you are eating a lot of fruits and vegetables, if they're all the same nutrients, you're not getting that variety that we could from our food. Yeah, I love that. And something else that I always try to think of is, um, especially with vegetables, is pairing it with a fat because they're chock full of vitamins, A, D, E, and K, those fat soluble vitamins. So when you eat a vegetable with a fat, your body is, it's going to have an easier time absorbing and utilizing those vitamins. Yeah. And it is really interesting because if you're talking about taking vitamins in isolation as a supplement, um, they're meant to be consumed as foods and they have other nutrients that help the absorption. So like, for example, we have vitamin D added to our milk and vitamin D helps the absorption of calcium. And that's why they pair those. Um, but it, it comes in nature too. Like you said, the, the calcium is gonna, are gonna help, uh, absorb the fat soluble vitamins, but then, vitamin C with iron, like combining these foods in a, in a meal is going to really help your body absorb everything it can from the food. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. And it's worth mentioning here that Great point. always to use food first before you start yeah. to supplement, because I think it's, I've been guilty of this too. You want to reach for a supplement. You think it's going to be the answer. It's going to help you, you know, have a baby. It's going to help your body. And while it might, it's not, it's meant to supplement, you know, it's right there in the name. You always want to start with food. And then if you need to, you know, if you're working with a doctor or another practitioner, um, go from there and start with the supplementation. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to keep that balance and what your body's looking for if you start throwing high high amounts of supplements at it. So like magnesium and calcium are expected to be in a certain balance in your body. So if you're just taking magnesium, that calcium might be too low. Now I start taking a calcium and magnesium together. And now my zinc is out of balance because I'm taking high amounts of these other minerals. So yeah, food first is a great rule of thumb if you're in a healthy state and you can, if there's something that you need because your doctor recommended it, obviously do that first. Yeah, definitely. And I guess this is a great place to say, if you're working with a doctor on your fertility, 
consult with them before going with anything we're saying. This is more general advice for somebody who just wants a little extra boost going into this period, not necessarily someone in a disease state that needs help with their fertility. Um, that food can do a lot, but it might not be able to do everything. Right. Yeah. There are certain things that definitely want to be working with your doctor on and fertility, especially it's such a delicate time and, you know, we're hyper aware of all the things we're consuming and that we're putting on and we're using and, um, yeah. So I think another good category to look at is probiotic foods. So I think probiotics have been a pretty big buzzword lately. People are taking them as supplements, but it is really great to get them from foods because there are naturally occurring varieties that you get from different foods where if you're taking a supplement, you're kind of getting the exact same bacteria every time. Um, and even if you are taking a supplement, switching bottles every other month is a great idea, just so you're getting different bacteria in your gut because there's so many different strains of these bacteria. And if you're limited to a concentrated amount of the few that he wants. Um, but do you do a lot with food? Yeah. Usually we have some sort of fermented food. We like beets. My husband's not a huge sauerkraut fan, but we try to do some sort of fermented vegetable and he will eat the beets, which is kind of funny. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's most of it. I do have a supplement, but I don't really take it that often. I find myself being inconsistent with it. And I like to think it's because <laughs> my body's just telling me that I don't need it, at least right now. Um, okay. You can tell me your thoughts on this too. I know I've been digging into more research about probiotics and just gut health in general, but I know there was, it was a big thing for a while and I don't, maybe it still is, but getting them cold, but like from the refrigerated section. And those were the yeah. only ones that were quote good. But then um, now more is coming out about how if they can't survive warm, how are they ever going to survive in your body? That's 98 degrees, you know? So um, I don't know. How, what have you found about that? Or is that not anything that? Well, so what I take and what I think tends to work well for me is a soil-based probiotic, which doesn't need to be refrigerated. Um, so that being said, I do kind of want to switch between a soil-based and a non-soil-based um, a little more often, but um, I, I think the soil-based ones work really well. And I don't think anything... I've taken has been in the refrigerated section in a, in a long time. I think I heard that, that a few years ago and then I found some brands that I trust and they don't need to be refrigerated. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I was actually just having this conversation with my mom because she's going through some health stuff right now. And she was just like, well, I found this here and it's supposed to be cold and blah, blah, blah. And I just had to have that conversation with her. So I didn't know if that was still the general understanding of probiotics or if, you know, I'm in this world where <laughs> it doesn't yeah. have to be cold or, you know, so it's just interesting to me, the information that's passed around. I think something that's been really important for me is finding brands that are doing things right and then being able to use their stuff um, versus there's a lot out there that's just marketing. Um, so you can have 
a probiotic out there that they say they need to be refrigerated. And now they're putting stuff out there that if your probiotic isn't refrigerated, then, um, you know, a lot of it is just marketing. So it's, it's do your research and then make the best choice you can. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do try to do the sauerkraut. My husband won't eat it either, but me and my son eat it. Um, and we get, um, so the milk we get is unpasteurized milk and they do a goat yogurt that I really like. Um, so a lot of the yogurts you buy in a store, they're pasteurized. So all the bacteria is killed and then they're adding a probiotic later to kind of put that back into the yogurt. So it is synthetic. Um, and I do like getting that natural yogurt if I can. Same with the sauerkraut. Um, you want to make sure that's refrigerated. Yes, that is. Um, <laughs> that's a real thing. Uh, because if it's not still alive uh, and producing bacteria, then it's not, it's not going to have the probiotic. It's probably all dead and just, um, there are some that are unrefrigerated and they're not still, they don't still have the probiotics in them. Yeah. Yeah. That's important to know. Yeah. And then we really like kombucha. Um, it's something, yeah, my husband wasn't into it at all and now he loves it. Like can't go a day without it. And it is kind of an expensive habit. Like, the best we can find them for is two for $5 when they're on sale and we'll tend to stock up. But, um, I used to make my own at home. And then that was something I was reading up during pregnancy and did not feel safe about that because I'm not making it in a sterile controlled environment that <laughs> I trust. And when you're talking about bacteria and yeast, like you, you don't want to accidentally consume something that's gotten out of control. So um, when I got pregnant, we stopped making it at home and I haven't really started back up yet. It kind of doesn't taste as good either. <laughs> I was just going to ask. I was never brave enough to try it on my own. I just didn't, wasn't quite sure, but yeah. Yeah. I, I liked it, but, um, I mean, it's so cheap to make your own, but, yeah. um, so that's kind of what we do, um, in terms of food, but between those things, I think you're getting a good variety, getting it from different sources. Yeah. And you don't need to eat sauerkraut with every meal <laughs> to get what you need. You really only need a few tablespoons a day yeah. about, yeah. and you should be good to go. Yeah. 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 And I guess while I was talking about yogurt, I'll talk about milk. That is something that I think the Weston A. Price diet had like a quart a day of milk. Um, so, and they're, they're looking for raw milk as well. Um, for some of the vitamins and the the probiotic killed during pasteurization. That's something I definitely go in and out of. I don't know how much you guys do milk, but it's something that I notice. Uh, I don't have digestive issues with milk, but I get quite a bit of mucus if I'm having dairy, yeah. um, where I just notice like a little bit of nasal drip or um, like a little something in my throat. And it doesn't bother me a ton, but I, I do think there's some inflammation that that causes in me and 
butter doesn't really do it. Um, but so I, I've kind of, if I'm craving milk, I will get it from that source. We, we kind of buy in bulk and freeze it. So, um, but if I'm not feeling it, I'm skipping it. Yeah. Yeah. Dairy's interesting to me as well. We've kind of taken it out, reintroduced, taken it out. And I don't really have, if I drink milk from a store, I feel like crap for a very long time. So it has to be for me raw. Um, and then okay. I don't notice as much of a reaction in myself, but I've been, it's been interesting with my son because we nursed for so long until like 19, 20 months. Mm-hmm. Um, he had no interest in milk until recently and it's been the raw milk as well. He doesn't really care for the stuff that you can buy at most traditional grocery stores and whatnot, the homogenized pasteurized milk. But when we have raw milk, Lately, he just goes to town on it. Same thing with okay. cheese. It's it's just interesting to me to see him eat that. Um, yeah, he I and mean, they're so much more in touch with their instincts. Exactly, it's, it's amazing to watch. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm curious: is raw milk legal in Pennsylvania? It is. Um, okay. However, I don't notice it at most of the big chain grocery stores. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have to find black market milk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Amish country, so <laughs> anything goes here. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but you probably can get some good food out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Very good. <laughs> okay. So another food to talk about, I would say, is fish. And that's something unique to get the DHA. Um Again, something fat-soluble vitamins you really want to be building up over time in your system. Um, I've been kind of weird about fish. Like, I didn't love it growing up and didn't start eating it till till a few years ago. Um, So I can make salmon. I like it, and that's pretty much it. (laughs) Um, So I I think just the general recommendations of try to get it two to three times a week, but... um, Something I did was eat fish eggs, um, which was kind of, you know, it's kind of like a supplement because I just take a tablespoon every day and get it down. And then I do that seven days a week because it was a smaller amount than the fish. But the fish eggs are very high in a lot of uh, nutritional, like dense nutrition. Um, The... Vitamin D, salmon roe has 10,000 IU in a tablespoon. Um, So I actually found during my pregnancy that I was a little high in vitamin D, which is is very rare, especially for the Midwest. Um, So so I I knocked it down a little bit, but that worked really well for me, um, just as not a huge fish eater. Yeah, that's great. Um, I know when I was pregnant and before I conceived, I wasn't getting a ton of fish myself either. I like it. It's just not something that I just go for and make. I don't know. So I was supplementing with um, DHA and EPA myself from Nordic Naturals because the quality of fish and fish oil is incredibly important. Incredibly important because a lot of those oils they use are already rancid before they even get into your body. Um, 
So that would be Yeah, point. I think something you really want to look for in fish oil is if it was heat processed because these omega 3s are extremely unstable. Um, so cooking your fish, you're fine because you're still eating a whole piece of fish and that fish protects the oils when it's getting cooked. Mm -hmm. But if you're taking the oil out of the fish using heat, those oils are, are likely damaged. And like you said, rancid and actually harmful to your body, um, and not helpful at all. So it's really important to know the quality. Yeah. Nordic naturals is great. Um, there's the cod liver oil from green pastures. Rosie um, has too. Yeah. Rosie. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, just know your source and make, make a hundred percent sure that it's not heat processed. Otherwise it's just not safe to take. Yeah. And I know we've touched on supplements already, but it's just really frustrating that when something is found to be beneficial, how it becomes a buzzword almost. And all these companies do it as quickly and inefficient as possible. And then, you know, you're left with a subpar product that your body can't really use or it's harming more than it's helping. So yeah. Right. And then we're tempted by the price tag because they can make it a lot cheaper if they're using these methods where it's a lot quicker to extract it. Um, but it's, it's just better to skip it and have fish as much as you can than to take something like that. Yeah. So, and that the fish eggs too, it was just, I liked it because it's in its whole form. I could freeze them in little jars that would last a week and then just take them out and, uh, for me, it was easy. For some people, I'm sure that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then I guess one other thing to think about with fish is, is it raised in a, is it farm raised fish or is it wild fish? Uh, because the nutrient profile is going to be very different between the two, the fat content and the quality of the fats. Uh, they've started feeding fish corn in the factory farms, uh, kind of like we're doing with our beef. And it causes a lot of problems when it's not their native diet. So um, I, don't, I don't know a ton about fish, but that, was, that really concerns me. And yeah, I try to buy from a source that's doing things right. Yeah. Especially because we don't eat a lot of fish. It's easy to do that. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's important to note that fat stores all of these things. So you could be getting a, you know, decently fatty piece of farmed fish, but in that fat, you're also getting what the fish ate. And if the fish was unhappy, (laughs) it's going to be inflamed too. And I know it might sound kind of silly to say so, but you know, that, that impacts you as well. Yeah. Yeah, it can it can just cause a lot of problems in your body. Everything inflammation is it's tricky. <laughs> yeah. It's really tricky. But okay. And then we did already talk about fats just in general that you need fats to build hormones, but there's also certain fats uh that you want vitamins 
that for certain soluble vitamins you want to make sure you get. So one of those is vitamin K. And this is something that you're going to get from grass-fed butter where the cows were raised on a pasture, raised right. Uh, a lot of our typical store-bought butter has very little vitamin K. So if you're not used to eating this kind of butter, it's going to take a while to build that back up. And you want to incorporate, I would say, a couple of tablespoons a day um, to make sure you're getting that. Um, and then I think coconut oil is really good to get the medium chain triglycerides. Um, coconut milk, coconut. Uh, I took a lot of coconut oil getting ready for pregnancy just because it's a, it's an easily used form of fat for energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oil's great. Yeah. Not necessarily vitamin with anything, but yeah. um, it's, it's a good fat to build the hormones with. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I guess I'm just going to recap that quick because we went through a lot of food categories. We talked about red meat. So that includes uh, beef, lamb, any kind of organ meats. Um, we talked about eggs and especially the yolks, bone broth, fruits and vegetables, probiotic foods, fish, and then fats, high quality fats. So if you're trying to build up nutrient stores for pregnancy, those are some great, great places to start. Mm-hmm. Another good thing to do is start taking a high quality prenatal vitamin as soon as you're thinking about starting to get pregnant. Um, Again, this is something I started probably six months prior to wanting to conceive, not the full dose, but just to start getting some of those vitamins. Um, So some things to look for is... Is your prenatal, does it have folic acid versus actual folate? And that's something that I find healthcare professionals kind of throw around interchangeably, like, oh, you need folic acid when you're pregnant. Um, And there's actually a pretty big difference between the two. So folate is what you're going to find in food. So if you're talking about leafy greens that are high in folate, Uh, you're getting that folate form and your body is able to directly use that as a B vitamin. And then there's folic acid, which has to go through a conversion in your liver to get the usable form of folate. And some people, again, don't do that very efficiently. Um, One thing to consider is if you have the MTHFR genetic mutation. And this was something that I found out. I do have two mutated copies of this gene. I took the 23andMe test and you can plug your login information into a third-party site to find out all of these variations in your genetics. Um, So that means myself having two copies of that gene means I have trouble with methylation. And I don't do well with converting folic acid into a usable form of folate in my liver. So, and what happens with that is kind of twofold. If you're not converting that folic acid, one, you're not getting the usable form of folate that you really do need 
for your baby, but you're also getting this buildup of folic acid in your system where body can't really get rid of it. It's, it's not that water soluble vitamin that you can just get rid of the excess. So it can cause a lot of problems from building up. Um, so uh, that was something that, you know, my healthcare providers just said, you need to be taking folic acid, make sure you're taking folic acid. And that would have been extremely harmful to me for my body. So I would say, unless you know for sure that you don't have this MTHFR and you know that you can convert folic acid really well, look for a folate in your prenatal, like a methylated form of folate so that you know that your body's able to use it. And this, the folic, folic acid folate um, in terms of prenatal development, the highest need for that is before you're six weeks pregnant. So a lot of women don't even know they're pregnant. So from conception, quote unquote, with the pregnancy math. So usually your missed period is four weeks pregnant. So if you find out you're pregnant and then start taking it, then it can almost be too late for some of those. Um, this is for the nervous system development. So to prevent things like spina bifida, and uh, for the neural tube and that's closed at six weeks so so that's something you really do want to look into building up before getting pregnant if you can mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's very important and I know for me personally when I was just taking a prenatal from the store with folic acid and I can't say for sure that it was just the folic acid once I switched prenatals I felt completely different throughout the rest of my pregnancy so just as my own personal experience, I found that to be very interesting. Important thing to look at in your prenatals, prenatal is vitamin A. And I know I kind of touched on it a little bit, but vitamin A, when we're talking about fertility, is really important in actually both males and females for thyroid function. And when it comes to fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, living your life, the thyroid is very, very important. And it kind of you know, it dictates a lot with your hormones. So if that's a little out of whack or it's not getting the nutrients it needs, you're gonna know it. Um, vitamin A actually, which I found this interesting, it might play a role in implantation. Um, so that is obviously very important when we're talking about fertility and you wanna make sure you're getting enough vitamin A and vitamin A in the right form. And kind of like folic acid and folate, um, vitamin A, comes in two different forms, both from food sources, which are retinol and beta carotene, kind of like I mentioned before. Um, retinol is preformed, so it is available for your body to use, whereas beta carotene needs to go through that conversion. And optimally, <laughs> you could eat, and, and like we talked about before, this is different for everybody. So this isn't an across the board blanket statement. Um, but when it comes to beta carotene, a lot of people have a hard time making that conversion, absorbing it and having our bodies utilize that, um, you know, switching it to retinol and, and utilizing it properly. So when we're talking about a prenatal vitamin, we're talking about something that we want to supplement our nutrition. So we're eating healthy foods to support our baby, but this prenatal vitamin is kind of our safety net to really make sure we're covering 
everything that our baby might need that we might not be getting. And that's why even if you eat a very nutrient dense diet, I do think it's important to take a prenatal because it is hard to cover every single nutrient that you need. And that's where you really want to have the retinol form of vitamin A in case you're not getting enough of that from food and you aren't great at making these conversions from the beta carotene. So that's something where you will find a lot of prenatals just have the plant form of vitamin A. But to be safe, I want to make sure I'm getting it in the most usable form for my body when I'm talking about a supplement. Yeah, definitely. And I do think it's worth mentioning that although I think the extreme fear and the hype around vitamin A as retinol is a little bit exaggerated. There is an upper limit. So yeah, I don't think it's worth saying that, you know, a little is bad, more is better, but none is the best. Um, I don't think it's something that should be avoided because it is so important and you do need it for fertility throughout pregnancy and even postpartum. Um, but when you think about it, foods like cod liver and organ meats and the things that our great-grandparents probably wouldn't have bat an eye at eating weren't super common. It's not like they were eating them every single day. So while I don't think it should be avoided at all, and it is very important, um, it's not something that you need necessarily high doses of or even moderate doses of every single day. Yeah, I agree. And that's something as I've been taking a prenatal that has retinol in it, I have reduced those liver pills that we were talking about. So I have no issue with eating liver once a week, like we were talking about earlier, in addition to this, um, but don't have a ton of liver every day and take it in your prenatal. Um, because yeah, we do want to be careful about that. Yeah. And because it is fat soluble, again, it is stored in your body. Um, so it's, it's easy to build up. It's not easy to build up, but once it's there, it's easy to um, overdo if you are having a lot. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And then I wanted to talk a bit about iron because I think that's really important. Um, you create 50% more blood when you're pregnant. And that's something in early pregnancy, you notice quite a bit with getting lightheaded or just getting easily exhausted. Like you're walking up some stairs and it's, uh, you feel kind of out of shape and it's because your body is making a ton of extra blood to support the baby. So iron is something that's really important to make sure you're getting enough of to support that extra blood and then also to support the baby. Um, and there's two different types of iron, heme iron and non-heme iron. So I don't think this is talked about a lot. Like if you look up the iron content in foods, it just talks about, okay, there's this amount of iron in this food. But heme iron comes from animals and non-heme iron comes from plants. And it's another situation where the heme iron is a lot more easily absorbed by the body. So you can't just say something like you need X amount of iron and all iron is created equal. So that's something where I do take a heme iron supplement in during pregnancy. I didn't take it every day, but it's something where 
it was under the amount that they might recommend for iron, but I know that it's coming from a source that is going to be extremely absorbed by my body. I took a liquid form and, um, you might not need as much of it as they recommend. So, and there is some prenatals that have iron. So you might want to look at the source of that. Mine did not have iron in it. Um, but just, just so you know, if you're eating chocolate and spinach, it's not as easily absorbed as if you're eating red meat or organ meat. So we also talked about choline, uh, that's really important during pregnancy. It's great if you can get a prenatal that has some choline in it because it is hard to, like we said, if you're eating four egg yolks and you still might need more choline, it's tough to get it in. <laughs> like there is some choline in other vegetables and meats, but it's hard to hit that amount you need during pregnancy. So um, looking for a prenatal that has choline in it is great just to give you a leg up on all that you need during pregnancy. And that's for brain development of the baby. It's, it's very important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, so you were talking about thyroid before, like, um, how that's something that can get depleted during pregnancy and postpartum, like, yeah, yeah. Um, I know, especially postpartum, usually, I think it goes hyper than hypo, maybe just because of all the extra hormones and just the stress on your body and all of that um, general depletion. So really taking care of that even before you're pregnant, like in this pre-pregnancy state that we're talking about is really, really important. Yeah, you really want to make sure that you're able to support that pregnancy and postpartum period. Um some good nutrients for just general thyroid support. If, if you know that your thyroid might be sluggish or you have some of those symptoms, some of the classic thyroid symptoms are hair loss. Um, they might have you look at, they call it the back third of your eyebrow, but the, the furthest from your nose section of your eyebrow, if that's very thin, it's kind of an indication that your thyroid might be sluggish, but there's other things like low energy, um, tendency towards depression, things like that, that could potentially be a thyroid that's a little sluggish, but might not be in a, a total disease state, but you might be in a position where you just want to support it a little bit more. Um, so some great nutrients for thyroid, which again, I do think Anybody going through pregnancy supporting the thyroid is a good thing, uh, are iodine and selenium. So iodine, you're going to get some from your fish that we already talked about, but seaweed is an amazing source of iron, uh, of iodine. And um, that's something that we, we get it from the same place we get our fish, we get seaweed salad and just kind of having a little bit of that every week. Um, it has a, a lot of iodine and that's something that, uh, when we're talking about the processed food industry, they added it to our salt so that people are getting iodine in their diet. Um, but now that like we eat sea salt, so it doesn't have this added iodine to it. So, uh, getting it from other sources is important. And then selenium, um, 
this was something where I really needed to support my thyroid during pregnancy and three Brazil nuts a day will do it. Yep. That's what I do. Pop them in the freezer, take them out. (laughs) Oh, you do freeze them. I do. Yeah. That's a good idea because I've noticed that, um, getting through the bag, they'll start to taste a little rancid. Yeah. Um, and then I toss them. Yeah. (laughs) So that's a good idea. You, you eat them frozen. I do. Yep. Yep. Usually three a day and just take them out and pop them. So. Okay. I wouldn't have thought that they'd be that edible frozen, I guess, but I don't see why not now that you're saying it. It's actually not that bad. I like frozen things though. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm going to try that because yeah, I've definitely noticed that the taste kind of goes over time and I'm like, is this bad? And then I get a fresh, fresh uh, bag of it. And I'm like, oh yeah, those other ones were gross. (laughs) So, so yeah, the three Brazil nuts a day, I'll kind of take care of that and it'll it'll support your thyroid. So, um, so I'll share. So my prenatal that I'm currently using as we're preparing to get pregnant with baby number two. And I I really didn't stop using it uh, the whole time I was breastfeeding and then post-breastfeeding. Because if you're talking about having babies somewhat close together, even, um, you know, two, three years apart, it's very depleting to go through a pregnancy and it's depleting and not a lot of nutrients. Um, so this was something even when we stopped breastfeeding because I knew we wanted to get pregnant again, I kept taking my prenatal just to continue to build as much as I could before going through another pregnancy. And this is where, and I don't know how it's going to go for me yet because we just have the one, but a lot of stories I hear from women, their recovery on their second is a lot harder than their first, just from those things like exhaustion and um, just depletion from the pregnancy. So as much as you can do, if you're between babies to make sure you keep building it up, it might take more than that six months because you're, you're recovering from just having a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I use, uh, what I really like is the seeking health prenatal. And this is something that, specifically does address concerns for people with the MTHFR gene mutation. So it has higher levels of that folate and also B12, which are supportive for someone with the MTHFR. Um, Both of those support methylation, but it also has choline. It has half of the vitamin A from retinol and half from beta carotene. Um, and it just, it has really great sources for these vitamins. Um, so I use the protein powder. They have three different types. There's a pill, there's a chewable and a protein powder. I kind of do like a smoothie thing every morning and do a scoop of this prenatal, which um I was traveling this past week and brought the pills and the pills are eight a day to take the seeking health prenatal. Um, but I find that protein powder, I like it a lot. I take the chocolate one. I just like really stocked up with six big tubs of it. Um, 
So that's one that I really like. Um, do you have a pick? Seeking Health is also my pick. That's the one that okay. I found works best for me. I've also taken Thorn and I didn't, I didn't really have an issue with that one either. Um, and there's another one that I'm checking out that's relatively new on the market called Full Circle Prenatal. And it's supposedly comparable to the Seeking Health. So I'm going to try that one next. Is that a pill too? It is a pill. Yeah. And do you do the pills on the Seeking Health? I do. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I try the protein powder though. I never tried I love that. it. Yeah. Yeah. I switched. I switched at some point like late in pregnancy with, um, with Connor, but uh, now I'm just like obsessed. <laughs> yeah. I know for me in early pregnancy, that would have been nice because I did not like to swallow anything, especially pills. <laughs> especially eight of them. <laughs> yeah. Noted. Yeah. So I have heard of other liquid ones that might be absorb absorbable, but I haven't looked into them enough to recommend. So yeah. Yeah, so, but hopefully we gave you some things to look at. And the Seeking Health does not have iron. So that's maybe the one thing that would be missing that you'd want a separate supplement of. Yeah. So do you do iron? I don't actually. Okay. And that's just something that I don't feel like I need all the time, but sometimes I'm feeling that just, just that lightheadedness and, um, and I just know to order some. <laughs> and then when it's out, I usually don't order it again until I feel like I need it. Yeah. Um, I notice sometimes a little bit of digestive upset and a little bit of constipation, actually, if I have too much iron. So that's something I kind of tread lightly with just for myself personally. Yeah, that's one you definitely don't want to overdo it with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So I'm actually, that makes me glad that my prenatal doesn't just have it in there because I can choose to take it or to skip it. Yeah. Um, and I actually have a client who is pregnant and the iron in her prenatal was causing a lot of added nausea. Once yeah, she started that. that away, um, was a total game changer for her. So okay, individuality. It's just so interesting. But, okay. So yeah. So food aside, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think we went pretty in. Of course we spent a while on food. <laughs> it is very important, especially yes. for fertility, but something else that is very important for fertility and just your everyday life. It sounds like a completely duh thing, but stress management. Um, I can speak from personal experience, just thinking that you're doing all the things right and you're in a good place, but really, you know, we have jobs. We potentially have other children. We have kids that were running here, there, and everywhere, or we are running here, there, and everywhere. There's all kinds of demands on us. You have to stick to a workout routine. You have to do this. You have to do that. And it's, some of it is good stress, but regardless, um, stress on your body is stress on your body and it impacts, you know, it causes an inflammatory response. It can impact your hormones and just really affect your fertil fertility from a ground level. So I don't know what you like to do, Michelle, but just finding even little ways in your day that you might think are insignificant, but um, little ways where you can just kind of sit quietly and breathe and just tune into yourself, whether that be meditation or whether that just be sitting at your table for 10 minutes, thinking of things you're grateful for, you know, just kind of taking your body out of that fight or flight mode and 
tuning into just a calmer, more parasympathetic state um, can actually do wonders for all kinds of just your body as a whole, your body and mind. Yeah, something I really love is walking outside. So I do, I like to do audiobooks and, uh, or podcasts sometimes, but if I'm really trying to do it to relax, I like a nice fiction book that I'm not, uh, a lot of my stuff is like studying something, but I like taking a walk with a book that I enjoy. Like it's something I can really look forward to. And even in 15 minutes, just being outside, um, can be really relaxing for the mind. I like doing it after I put my son to bed and it's dark outside. So it kind of gets me ready to go to sleep, like puts me in that state. But um, I think something about the motion is just really good for relaxation for me. Yeah. I'm also going to say something that's kind of a little crunchy, but I heard it before getting pregnant with Connor and I really liked it. Um, and it was... It was saying to when you're in that preconception stage to do things that you love and to do things that feel like are really you and that it'll help the right baby find its way to your family, (laughs) which I love it too. And it's, it just made me be like, okay, this is who I am. And like, you're preparing to like have your body bring an addition to your family and you want to be the person you want to be and like have this baby be a part of that. Cause I mean, there is this connection during pregnancy that, um, I don't know. I felt like I knew my son's personality at 22 weeks pregnant because of we'd play these little games where he'd kick me and I'd push back. And it was, uh, I don't know. It's, I loved that. And it really made me try to think about who do I want to be for my family? And yeah. I think that's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I mean, I, you know how much stress impacts you, but then when you're pregnant also that your baby can feel that, I mean, it is absorbing that stress too. Maybe not in such a huge way, but it is. And Yes. Yeah. And even if it's not necessarily like really harming them, it's kind of setting it up for like, this is how life is. I don't know. Like on on this energetic level, like I, I want to be experiencing joy and like make sure that's a priority to my kid. Um, So, yeah, I love that so much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I agree that, that just, doing as much as you can to be happy, be who you are, have joy in your life. Like bringing yourself into this period is just amazing. Definitely. And then obviously there's stressors. Like we tend to think about stress in terms of like the job or the errands or my kid pooped on my carpet, but (laughs) there's, there's other stressors on the body. So Um, if you're deficient in some sort of nutrient, your body perceives that as stress because it has to make up for that in other ways by either trying to make that nutrient if it can, or using other things to do a function that would be easily done with something else. Um, but also if you're exposing yourself to foods that 
don't react well in your body. So something for me that um, I really can't do gluten at all. And that's something where I get a very acute response from. Um, but there's things like vegetable oils where if I'm eating out a lot and so I think it's worth talking about quickly that oils like canola oil or sunflower oil or uh, any of these things that we're calling vegetable oils that are really seed oils, when they're heated, they're turning to trans fats. And it's something that our body tends to not do very well with. Uh, so we talked earlier about healthy fats and that's uh, the olive oil, the saturated fats. Saturated fats are great for cooking with because they do not become damaged very easily. They're saturated. They're not trying to bond to oxygen. Uh, olive oil, I will bake with sometimes. My preference would be to eat olive oil in an unheated form, um, but definitely not to saute with because it will become damaged. But some of these other vegetable oils where they're polyunsaturated fats, they become trans fats very easily. And what's, what's great about America is all of our restaurants use these kind of fats uh, to cook with or to fry in. So that's something where if I'm out of town and I'm eating out a lot, like it'll, it'll build over a few days and I just feel inflamed. Like I'll start to get joint pain or uh, headaches a little bit. So just look out for those kind of things. And if it's causing noticeable inflammation in terms of pain or bloat, it's causing stress inside your body too. Um, so stress is stress is stress. It doesn't matter if you're upset with your husband or you're eating something that your body can't handle. So, so just being aware of that. I think exercise is another thing that's worth mentioning because yes, it's very beneficial and yes, it's very important, but more is not always better. Yeah. Um, speaking from experience here, <laughs> you know, for me, before I got pregnant, I ran a marathon and was lifting all the time and just doing all oh, the wow. time. Yeah. Well, my body completely, it just broke, you know, it, it completely, not completely shut down, but, um, I felt terrible. I really did. And once again, that's, that's a stress on your body and some is a good stress. You know, if you're lifting a few times a week or you're walking, you know, obviously that's not going to impact you the way over-exercising, running all the time, lifting really heavy multiple days a week, you know, more often than not is. So that is a stress on your body too. Your muscles are breaking down, they're building back up. And yeah, just, just remembering that more is not always better in that. Yeah. yeah. But I do think doing some exercise before getting pregnant is a good thing because you don't necessarily want to add it after you get pregnant. So like the walking, the yoga, some strength training is great to start up in this time if you're not doing anything. Totally. Agree. Yeah. So, um, so there's other environmental stressors, um, just knowing what's in your cleaning project, just knowing what's in your cleaning. Mm. 
products, products. <laughs> knowing what's in your cleaning products. Um, what are you cooking in? Are you using Teflon or are you using a stainless steel pan? So are you using something that can get into your food um, or plastics? If you're heating things up in plastic that, that can leach into your food. Um, so all of these little things are stressors on the body. It's something that your body has to have your liver process and eliminate from your body. And it doesn't want to do that. It wants to just do its normal function. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then there's some that we can't avoid. Like if you have environmental toxins, like in the air quality, that's something that you want your body to be processing and not having to worry about all these extras because I mean, there's small things you can do to filter your air, but really if you're in an urban environment, you're not going to have the most amazing air quality. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot we can't avoid, but what you can control, it can be very overwhelming, but just trying to take those small steps, like we said, cleaning products, personal care products, cookware, they're all really good to start to think about, especially because like plastics and a lot of personal care products have um, compounds that mimic estrogen in the body. And when we're talking about fertility and pregnancy, we don't want that. <laughs> um, your your liver, your whole body gets confused. Your whole endocrine system, just it, it screws everything up um, from the top down. And your liver can't process all of that out at a rapid speed. And then the, the estrogens or the things starting to act as estrogens just completely build up in your body. And um, it can cause a whole slew of issues from your hormones on down. And I would put soy in that category too. It's, it's not something that needs to be avoided at all costs, but just be conscious of it, that it does mimic estrogen in the body and excessive amounts of it can cause problems. Yeah. But yeah, beauty products too. Um, Some things that I like to prioritize in terms of getting out of my products are going to be things that you're really likely to ingest like heavy metals in lipsticks. So a lot of lipsticks have lead in them that helps them stay put and then things that you might inhale. So um, these are going to be things like hairsprays and powders that um, are going to go directly into your bloodstream because you're inhaling them in the air. So just being really careful about that, but then also anything that you're rubbing into your skin. So a body lotion that you're exposing your entire body to, or a sunscreen, um, just, just knowing what's in the products is really helpful. Yeah. And again, the EWG that we mentioned before, when it comes to, um, produce is really important it's a really good resource for this as well. You can type in your products and it gives you a rating from one to 10, one being, or I think it's zero to 10 actually. Yeah. 10 being the worst. And it breaks down the different compounds and things that you want to avoid and what they could potentially cause and how they could impact you. Like it could um, affect your hormones. It could potentially cause cancer. And these are known links. And just because you think something's widely available, like a lipstick or whatever, doesn't mean it's necessarily safe or there aren't compounds that are, aren't in it that, um, that are going to affect you in potentially a very big negative way. And it might not be something that is instantaneous. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of fall into this false sense of security because you don't notice it right away. But over time, these things, once again, store up in your body and it can 
it can really, it can really affect you, especially when you're trying to get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. That's called the the skin deep on EWG and it gives specific brands and specific products. So you can type brand X lip color and it'll give you exactly what's in it and what ingredients might be harmful. Mm -hmm. So I I find that really helpful too. Yeah. Yeah, That was a good starting point for me. Yeah. And then one other thing I might add in this category is water. Are you filtering your water? Because there's, depending on where you live, but pretty much everywhere, um, there's a lot that can be in your water that you might not want to be ingesting, like chlorine and fluoride. And um, so I, and I've heard of specific brands that like test water and eliminate things that are high in your area I don't even remember what that product was but it sounded cool um versus like a generic charcoal filter that kind of just like filters a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. but I'm gonna say any of that is better than nothing yeah Um, I'd agree we had just some sort of a Brita type thing for a while but we recently invested in a Berkey and it was an investment but I think it was very worth it for us because in our area, I think they told us it was, there was high manganese and okay. it was causing some of the cows to spontaneously abort. So once we heard that, we were like, all right, we're going to up our filtration. And what, what system is that? Like, how does it work? The Berkey there, it's a charcoal filter. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. We have a reverse osmosis filter my husband got me that for Christmas one year which was amazing (laughs) but that takes up a lot of room yeah but it really it takes out everything um so Mm -hmm. we we love that and it's It's worth looking we have like a separate tap in our sink for that so that's nice yeah um so I think the last thing I want to touch on uh something that's helpful before you're thinking to start trying to get pregnant is just get some blood work. Um, Find a doctor that'll just test for a few. If I had to recommend a few things, I would say vitamin D, vitamin B12. Um, Iron is kind of going to be in the basic tests that you get if you get basic blood work that I think it's called the CBC panel. Uh, you'd be able to tell from there if your iron is low and also it's just some thyroid tests. So ideally you could get the TH, TSH, but also free T3, free T4 and potentially more if you have any symptoms like the antibodies. Um, but it's just good to know that that's healthy going into pregnancy because there's a lot of things that if there's anything going on with your health, it could get worse during pregnancy. And there's a lot you can't do to fix it because you can't take certain things when you're pregnant or breastfeeding. So just thinking about that, if you're having symptoms for something and then you get pregnant, that it's going to be, I mean, depending on how long you breastfeed, but it could be two years or more before you're able to address those concerns. So it might be better to address them before getting pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you have anything else to add? I don't. Well, happy baby making everyone. (laughs) (laughs) You can do it. 
Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. Me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you liked what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.